Section 15 of Whom We Shall Welcome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Whom We Shall Welcome. Report of the President's Commission on Immigration and Naturalization. Part 4. Administration of the Law. Chapter 10a. The Administrative Agency. The Commission recommends 1. That a Commission on Immigration and Naturalization be created to be appointed by the President subject to Senate confirmation, responsible for the administration of all immigration and naturalization laws. 2. That present duplication of functions between the consular officers in the Foreign Service of the Department of State and the immigrant inspectors in the Immigration and Naturalization Service of the Department of Justice be eliminated, and that a consolidated service under an administrator of immigration and naturalization responsible to the proposed commission be substituted. 3 that a board of immigration and visa appeals be created under the proposed commission with final administrative appellate authority except in cases involving the exercise of discretion in all cases of visa denials exclusions deportations and other related matters present administration of immigration activities under present law the various functions relating to immigration and naturalization are committed to two separate departments of government, both administering and interpreting parts of the same law and applying them to the same persons. The Immigration and Naturalization Service, Department of Justice The Immigration and Naturalization Service exercises its functions in connection with the law, principally within the United States in the admission or exclusion of immigrants seeking to enter this country, the apprehension and removal of deportable aliens, the conduct of naturalization proceedings, and the preparation of denaturalization cases. Federal administration in the field of immigration began with the Act of 1864, which established a Commissioner of Immigration whose function was to encourage immigration, this law was passed in a period of manpower shortage during the Civil War, and it was repealed in 1868. Thereafter, there was no federal agency charged with the supervision of immigration until the first general immigration law of 1882 was enacted. The 1882 Act vested responsibility for its administration in the Secretary of the Treasury, but actual enforcement was entrusted to state boards or officers designated by him. Federal administrative enforcement began with the passage of the Act of 1891, when Congress provided that there should be in the Treasury Department a superintendent of immigration, whose title was later changed to that of Commissioner General of Immigration. The Bureau of Immigration was transferred from the Treasury Department to the Department of Commerce and Labor upon its establishment in February 1903. The Naturalization Act of 1906 inaugurated federal supervision of naturalization 
and established a consolidated agency known as the Bureau of Immigration and Naturalization. In 1913, the Consolidated Bureau was moved to the new Department of Labor and was divided into the Bureau of Immigration and the Bureau of Naturalization. At the head of the Bureau of Immigration was a Commissioner General of Immigration, while at the head of the Bureau of Naturalization was a Commissioner of Naturalization. Both bureaus were placed under the immediate direction of the Secretary of Labor. The two bureaus continued to function separately until 1933, when the President, acting pursuant to Congressional authority, directed by executive order that they be merged as the Immigration and Naturalization Service, headed by the Commissioner of Immigration and Naturalization. From 1933 until 1940, the service functioned under the direction of the Secretary of Labor, in 1940, the President submitted to Congress a reorganization plan which proposed to transfer the Immigration and Naturalization Service from the Department of Labor to the Department of Justice. The plan was approved, and the transfer became effective June 14, 1940. Since then, the Immigration and Naturalization Service has functioned as part of the Department of Justice, under the direction of the Attorney General of the United States. Foreign Service, Department of State The Immigration Act of 1924 vests the performance of the visa function, which consists of the granting or denial of visas, in consular officers of the American Foreign Service abroad, which operates under the control and direction of the Department of State. Under the Act of 1952, the authority to issue or deny visas is clearly and exclusively vested in the consular officers, and the statute directs that they shall not be subject to the supervision of the Secretary of State in this regard. The requirement of a visa to enter this country is relatively new, and dates only from World War I, when it was established essentially as a wartime security device. This requirement to obtain visas from American consular officers abroad was given statutory recognition in the Act of 1918. Under the Immigration Act of 1924, however, immigrant aliens seeking to come to the United States were required to establish in advance their eligibility under all the immigration laws and to obtain a visa from an American consul stationed abroad before embarkation. An immigrant was prohibited from entering the United States unless he was in possession of an unexpired immigration visa. However, the issuance of such a visa by an American consular officer does not guarantee his admission to the United States. Other statutes have given additional responsibility under the immigration laws to the Secretary of State. Thus, under the Passport Act of 1918, as amended, the Secretary of State, with the concurrence of the Attorney General, is authorized during the time of war or emergency to describe classes of aliens whose entry would be prejudicial to the United States. The Alien Registration Act of 1940 empowers the Secretary of State in emergency cases to waive documentary requirements for aliens seeking to enter this country. To aid in the performance of the visa functions abroad under the immigration laws, 
a visa division was created in the Department of State. The visa division provides technical guidance and assistance to consular officers, who themselves must determine initially the alien's admissibility to the United States. In the final report of the Senate Judiciary Committee, following its recent study of the immigration system of the United States, the following recommendation was made. Because of the close relationship of the visa and passport divisions of the Department of State and their importance in the control of immigration problems, the subcommittee recommends the establishment of a Bureau of Passports and Visas as an independent unit of the Department of State, headed by a director with the rank of Assistant Secretary of State and subject to general supervision by the Secretary. To meet objections of the Department of State, the bill was revised to establish a Bureau of Security and Consular Affairs responsible to the Secretary of State and closely integrated within the Department's framework. It was enacted in this form in the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952. Board of Immigration Appeals, Department of Justice A third agency which functions in the immigration process is the Board of Immigration Appeals. During virtually all of the period when the Immigration and Naturalization Service was in the Department of Labor, there was no independent Board of Appeals. Originally, the Secretary of Labor was aided by an advisory committee in making his determinations under the Immigration and Naturalization Laws. In 1922, a five-man Board of Review was established in order to review all immigration cases and to make recommendations to the Secretary of Labor. The Board of Review had no power to make decisions and was responsible to the Secretary of Labor, whom it advised. The Board of Review offered an opportunity for oral argument, submission of briefs, and more careful consideration. Also, it relieved the Secretary of Labor of the burden of considering a large volume of appeals. When the Immigration and Naturalization Service was established as a consolidated agency in 1933, the Board of Review became responsible to the Commissioner and its recommendations were reviewed by him before being transmitted to the Secretary of Labor. With the passage of time, the procedures and the anomalous position of the Board of Review were subjected to increasing criticism. In 1931, the Wickersham Commission, studying the enforcement of federal laws, advocated the creation of an independent tribunal so that the prosecuting and administrative functions in immigration matters would be completely separated from the judicial duties. The latter duties would be vested in an independent tribunal, composed of men of judicial caliber, to be appointed by the President. The Commission stated, The creation of such an independent tribunal for the determination of deportation cases seems to be the logical development of the present system itself. The Department of Labor has found it advisable to create a board of review within its own organization. As has been shown, this board has developed certain embryonic judicial tendencies, although the growth of these tendencies has been hampered by the subordinate position in the department which the board occupies. The next step in development seems clear. The dichotomy should be made complete. 
the board of review should be lifted out of its place in the department of labor and should be made an independent tribunal perhaps the closest analogy in structure to such a proposed tribunal is the board of tax appeals an independent governmental agency created by congress in nineteen twenty four the board neither initiates nor prosecutes the cases which are brought before it but in effect sits as a court its hearings are public and its decisions are reported it has some power of appointment and is working out an elastic organization appeals are allowed in the respective circuits the independence of this board and the satisfactory nature of its decisions are generally conceded there seems to be no good reason why we should not proceed at least as far in the establishment of a satisfactory system with respect to the important personal rights involved in deportation as we have with respect to the property rights involved in taxation from nineteen thirty eight to nineteen forty the secretary of labor's committee on administrative procedure made an exhaustive study of the immigration and naturalization service its report stressed the necessity of freeing the board of review from any other than quasi-judicial duties stating that the agglomeration of duties placed on the members of the board was indefensible and that it is folly even to talk of fair hearing by individuals who are struggling under such a load the several thousand of admissions and deportation cases which would be referred to the board under the arrangements we are suggesting are as much as its members can possibly consider with any semblance of fairness these recommendations were accepted and put into effect in nineteen thirty nine the board of review was removed from the control of the commissioner and was made responsible only to the secretary of labor when the immigration and naturalization service was transferred to the department of justice in nineteen forty the board of review became the board of immigration appeals and was placed under the immediate direction of the attorney general unlike the board of review which could only make recommendations the board of immigration appeals was empowered to make final decisions subject to possible review by the attorney general since nineteen forty it has continued to function as an arm of the attorney general independently of the immigration and naturalization service whose decisions it reviews the board of immigration appeals composed now of a chairman and four associate members never has been recognized by statute it continues to function at the pleasure of the attorney general and for his convenience its jurisdiction is defined in regulations which have been changed on a number of occasions during recent years its primary function is to hear and decide appeals in exclusion and deportation cases however since there is no statutory restraint the attorney general could at any time abolish the board of immigration appeals or modify its jurisdiction in any regard he deems appropriate unnecessary duplication of functions the requirements of the immigration act of nineteen twenty four that approval must be obtained overseas before the alien could embark for the united states was an important improvement over earlier procedures it enabled the alien to obtain an advance but not final determination of his eligibility before he pulled up his roots and undertook the long and expensive trip to the united states 
while acknowledging the distinct advances in administration made possible by this improved procedure many have pointed out the resulting disadvantages there is an obvious duplication in function between the consular officer overseas and the immigration officer at the port of entry the consul must determine the alien's admissibility to the united states before he can issue a visa the immigration official likewise must determine the alien's admissibility before he can permit him to enter the united states both interpret and apply the same law an additional consideration concerns the qualifications of consuls to make such determinations the consular function is an old and important one in international relations the consul's traditional duties have related primarily to protecting the property and personal interests of american citizens in foreign countries and to the promotion of trade and commerce the function added after world war i of passing upon an alien's admissibility to the united states under the immigration laws has been regarded by some as a secondary one the personnel to whom this function was assigned generally were insufficiently equipped at first by training and experience thus the department of state has reported to the commission that only three per cent of visa officers have had legal training despite the fact that the visa issuing officer is required to deal with a great body of complex laws and regulations it is important to note that the consul's negative decision on a visa application is final and unreviewable soon after operations commenced under the immigration act of nineteen twenty four it became apparent that consular officers often lacked adequate training and background to discharge their new responsibilities under the immigration laws these deficiencies resulted in a considerable volume of rejections at ports of arrival in the united states of aliens who had been granted visas in order to aid the consuls immigrant inspectors were sent abroad in nineteen twenty five under an agreement with the department of state and were attached as technical advisers to the consulates at london southampton liverpool glasgow belfast dublin and queenstown although the consular officer had final authority in determining whether a visa was to be issued he was usually guided by the advice of the immigrant inspector this system was successful in operation and was extended to the scandinavian countries poland czechoslovakia the netherlands belgium italy germany and austria the reduced immigration during the depression of the nineteen thirties resulted in a decrease in the number of technical advisers in nineteen thirty four for example there were nine immigration technical advisers stationed in europe each of whom was assigned to areas in europe and travelled on a circuit between the different consulates in that area the technical advisor system was terminated at the outbreak of world war ii in europe and has not since been reinstated during the displaced persons program immigration inspectors were stationed overseas and in effect passed upon the immigrant's admissibility after documentation with a visa just as is ordinarily done at american ports of entry in nineteen forty nine the hoover commission on organization of the executive branch of the government recognized the deficiencies of the present system under which there is a dual control of immigration 
and recommended that the visa division of the Department of State be transferred to the Department of Justice, the Hoover Commission made two pertinent recommendations. 1. The State Department, as a general rule, should not be given responsibility for the operation of specific programs, whether overseas or at home. 2. The functions of visa control should be transferred from the State Department to the Justice Department. The Hoover Commission Task Force Report on Foreign Affairs elaborated in two statements. 1. All visa responsibility, therefore, except with respect to diplomatic visas, should be placed in the Justice Department. Visa work presently performed by the Foreign Service abroad should be continued, but in accordance with policies established by the Justice Department in consultation with the State Department. 2. The logical solution to the visa problem lies in the transfer of the visa division functions to the Department of Justice. Diplomatic visas, however, should remain under the jurisdiction of the Secretary of State. Following publication of the Hoover Report, the Department of State organized several committees to study the various recommendations. One of these committees was the Visa Task Force, which presented its findings in a report March 31, 1949, in answer to the Hoover Commission recommendations on location of the visa functions. This State Department report counseled against acceptance of the Hoover Commission's recommendation to consolidate immigration functions. The study of the Senate Judiciary Committee, which preceded the introduction and enactment of the Act of 1952, likewise took cognizance of this duplication, However, the committee declined to recommend any substantial changes, and stated, Among the principal points of criticism aimed at the present immigration structure has been the contention that the multiplicity of control by several agencies of various immigration activities should be eliminated. In general, the subcommittee has come to the conclusion that although there are some points in the mechanism where coordinated action is necessary and duplication must be eliminated, the overall structural pattern ought to be maintained. The subcommittee is persuaded to the position on the grounds that, one, the distribution of responsibility places additional barriers in the way of undesirable aliens, additional fences of protection which the alien must surmount, and two, the present system operates satisfactorily, and the suggested modifications will eliminate most of the existing difficulties. The Senate Judiciary Committee likewise addressed itself specifically to the recommendations of the Hoover Commission, and stated, The subcommittee has given serious consideration to the proposal advanced by the Hoover Commission for a transfer of the visa division to the Department of Justice, and its merger with the Immigration and Naturalization Service. As already pointed out, the subcommittee is persuaded to continue the visa process separate from the immigration procedure, as an additional barrier to the entry of inadmissible aliens. The Act of 1952 made no appreciable change in the organizational setup, except to establish in the Department of State a Bureau of Security and Consular Affairs, provision was made within that bureau for a general council of the visa office, authorized to maintain liaison with the appropriate officers of the Immigration and Naturalization Service, 
with a view to securing uniform interpretations of the provisions of this Act. Feasibility of Consolidating Functions All witnesses who addressed themselves to this problem in the Commission's public hearings urged that the functions of consular and immigration officers should be consolidated. The Commission agrees that this is a desirable goal. There is no reason why there should be two independent determinations on the same issue, except upon the basis of mistrust and fear. Every national purpose would be fully served by one thorough and trustworthy examination and determination. The best available information indicates that this costly, unwieldy, and unbusinesslike duplication serves no reasonable purpose. It is hardly more than a historical accident which has become, to some, a principle. An informal study in the Department of State a few years ago disclosed that in less than one-half of one percent of all cases where visas were issued by consular officers were the applicants rejected at ports of entry in the United States. The 1951 Annual Report of the Immigration and Naturalization Service supplied the following information concerning the number of aliens excluded at the border. Table 13. Aliens excluded from the United States by cause, year ending June 30, 1951. For all causes, total number excluded 5,647. Of those, 1,868 border crossers, that is, aliens seeking admission at land borders for less than 30 days, and 3,784 other aliens. Broken down by cause. Without proper documents. Total, 3,963. 1,180 border crossers, 2,783 other aliens. Criminals. Total, 610. 273 border crossers, 337 other aliens. Mental or physical defectives, 434 total, 97 border crossers, 337 other aliens. Subversive or anarchistic, total 165, 136 border crossers, 29 other aliens. Stowaways, total 121, no border crossers, 121 other aliens, had been previously excluded or deported, total 119, 72 border crossers, 47 other aliens, likely to become public charge, total 116, 38 border crossers, 78 other aliens, immoral classes, total 38, 23 border crossers, 15 other aliens. Previously departed to avoid military service, total 14, 10 border crossers, 4 other aliens. Unable to read over 16 years of age, total 3, no border crossers, 3 other aliens. Contract laborers, total 1, no border crossers, 1 other alien. Other classes, 63 total, 34 border crossers, 29 other aliens. Excluding from consideration border crossers and aliens without proper documents, 
This table reveals that during 1951, approximately 1,000 aliens in possession of visas were excluded by immigration officers at the ports of arrival in the United States. The extent of unnecessary duplication is revealed when this is compared with some 206,000 immigrants admitted during that same period, in addition to visitors. In the Commission's opinion, this duplication in visa issuance and immigration examinations is wasteful and unjustifiable. The Commission cannot subscribe to the sentiment that this obstructive process is required as an additional barrier to the entry of inadmissible aliens. By the same token, such additional barriers can operate also to shut out desirable aliens. The relatively few inadmissible aliens it has stopped could be dealt with by a unified and more effective administration. Similarly, the Commission is not impressed with the State Department's suggestion that the conduct of foreign relations requires the issuance of non-diplomatic visas by consular officers. The consular function did not, until 1924, include the issuance of immigration visas. Nor is the State Department suggesting that foreign policy requires the determination of admissibility by consular officers at the port of entry in the United States. The time has come to terminate the unnecessary and costly obstructions established by the duplication of visa and immigration examinations. This could be accomplished by eliminating overlapping and duplication through unifying these functions in a single process. The result will be a more effective administration of the law, a saving of government expenditures, and a better location of administrative responsibility. Operation of the Proposed System The Commission agrees with the Hoover Commission that a large program of such an administrative operation as the immigration law has no place in the Department of State, whose primary responsibility is the conduct of foreign relations. The Commission recommends that the primary determination overseas of an alien's application for a visa to the United States should be made by officials of the same agency which determines admissibility at the ports of entry. Presentation of such a visa at a port of entry in the United States should entitle an alien to be admitted without further inquiry except as to 1. Identity, 2. Any medical condition developed since the visa was issued, and 3. Any evidence relating to subversive activities not previously considered. The Commission believes that there should be no substantial difficulty in establishing such a system of unified determinations in foreign areas where there are large volumes of applications for visas. In such places, visa issuance is a full-time job for visa officers. There may be some rearrangement necessary for operation in isolated areas from which few applications for visas originate, and where, therefore, full-time visa officers are not stationed. This is a problem of administrative management, susceptible of a variety of solutions. The Commission believes that in such areas the agency responsible for the consolidated functions could follow the normal procedure used by many government agencies in connection with overseas activities, the consular officer could be designated as an agent of the immigration authorities to receive the application, 
which could then be forwarded with the requisite documents and evidence to the nearest overseas regional office of the consolidated agency the determination would be made by an officer stationed in such a regional office if the evidence is incomplete he could request the consul to conduct any additional interrogation or investigation deemed necessary or if advisable the consular officer could in these few cases be authorized to act on behalf of the consolidated agency it has been suggested that there may be some difficulty in stationing officers of the consolidated agency in some foreign countries immigration officers have already performed duties under our immigration laws in germany great britain canada italy and in other countries to satisfy any requirements of protocol such officers could be attached for technical purposes to our embassies or other accredited offices with conventional titles the differences between present procedures and the consolidated procedure the commission has recommended including suggested appellate procedures are illustrated in chart one chart one comparison of present and proposed procedures type of action overseas action on visa present program by american consular officer proposed plan by officer of proposed commission overseas appeal present program no regular appeal provided proposed plan appeal to statutory board of immigration and visa appeals at port of entry action on admission present program by immigration inspector with complete authority to review consular action proposed plan by inspector but limited to one identity two health three security at port of entry determination on questionable cases present program to board of special inquiry after december twenty fourth nineteen fifty two to single special inquiry officer proposed plan to hearing officer under board of immigration and visa appeals type of action appeal initial present program to non-statutory board of immigration appeals proposed plan to statutory board of immigration and visa appeals final appeal present program no further appeal but board of appeals may certify immigration cases to attorney general and attorney general may review on own motion proposed plan review by proposed commission in selected cases involving discretionary relief the consolidation of all immigration functions in one responsible agency is an essential aspect both of the new approach to immigration which the commission believes to be long overdue and of the efficiency in government which it was the purpose of the hoover commission to reach whatever mechanical difficulties may arise from such a consolidation could with proper spirit and good will be overcome completely and promptly end of section fifteen recording by maria casper